1: podcast. I'm your co-host Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host Richie Schneiderite and Chris Nolasky, beat writer for Rutgers. Guys, uh, we got a big commitment today. The class of 2024 from football, Uh, Rutgers has found its quarterback for the class in Notre Dame High School's AJ Ceres. Um, He was a guy that Rutgers seemed to be going after hard with showing Gleason, given the connections to the Princeton staff. uh, Bob Ceres, the Princeton head coach, is AJ's dad. Um, But we weren't sure if that was going to be the Guy who would even show interest in Rutgers, but uh, apparently he does because he just committed. We're also going to talk the, the big time win at MSG yesterday uh, for Rutgers over Michigan State. Uh, Rutgers showed out big time in the Big Apple. They won sixty one to, to fifty five. But uh, let's talk this commitment first. Um, I truly thought that that door was closed when Chong Gleason got fired in October. Um, I guess we we kept recruiting him though and. I, I imagine Kirk Sorocco must have watched the tape and met with him and really liked him as well uh, to take this commitment. Um, but but tell us a little bit about what we're getting in this kid, Richie. Um,
2: yeah, so AJ Sarace, uh, Notre Dame high school uh, kid. Uh, it's there's a guy who shall not be named anymore that used to go there and played for Rutgers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tyquan it's, it's Underwood played there. Um, I, I don't remember them actually producing that much after Tyquan. I think AJ might be like the next Power Five kid, to be honest. Um, that's just off the top of my head. I'm probably wrong in that regard, but whatever. Um, he's a, he's a solid quarterback, uh, athletic bloodlines. His sister plays lacrosse at Columbia. His dad's the head coach of Princeton. Uh, very smart family, obviously. Number one, uh, number two, his dad's been the head coach of Princeton for years on end. So he knows the game of football. He grew up around the game of football. Um, like you mentioned, he was very close with Sean Gleason, but he was also close with An- Andrew Ulrich, who was uh, obviously at Princeton as well for a couple of years under Bob Sarace. Um. And then, uh, yeah, Kirk kind of just saw his tape, from what I'm told. And Rutgers was kind of pushing him from the get-go. Uh, yeah, they, they aimed high for where guys like Michael Van Buren, who was on campus a couple times. Daniel Kalen out of Nebraska was on campus once or twice, I believe. Um, but but they got A.J. Cerise, and it's, he's probably one of, if not Jersey's, best quarterback in this class, I think. Um, he's, he's a decent kid, and, uh, decent arm strength. Could be a little bit better. He's working on stuff like that. Uh, trains with Tony Rassiope, who the program with uh, who the program and fans are probably very familiar with. Uh, he's trained Gavin Wimstad. He's trained Jarek Guarantano. He's trained Kenny Pickett. He's trained. The list just keeps going on and on. He trained Art Sikowski, who another probably who shall not be named ever again. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, he seems like a decent kid. He puts the ball where it has to be. He's got a high IQ, high football IQ, and uh. I mean, I, I think he's, he's a solid get. It's it's a decent get for Rutgers. And uh, you get your quarterback locked up pretty early. And that's usually the leader of the class. So let's see if he can uh, convince another, a couple other Jersey guys to stay home.
1: Yeah, Rivals does have him listed as the top quarterback in New Jersey uh, for the class of 2024. He's ranked 17th mm-hmm. overall in the state. He has offers uh, that are listed from Boston College, Indiana, Michigan State, Northwestern, Pittsburgh, obviously Rutgers, Temple, Toledo, and a few others. Um, he's been to a lot of camps. He's played a lot of football in his life. He's coach's son. I think this is the kind of kid that will have it mentally down pretty quick because of how much football he's played and how much exposure he's had to the game. Um, I do agree though, that, uh, he does have a few things to work on. This isn't a kid who probably plays early, but this is a kid who after a few years of development, getting in a college strength and conditioning program, that um, he could potentially be a starter one day. Um, if you see his tape, uh, once he takes his helmet off, he's got a baby face still. He's definitely, you know, a 16, 17-year-old kid, so he's he's got he's to grow into his body a bit. I think he's, he's listed at, like, 6'2". Um, he looks about that, maybe a little shorter. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a kid that uh, physically, once he starts developing, uh, I think maybe two, three years down the line, that's when he can actually uh, make a contribution possibly.
2: Yeah. I think that's pretty accurate. It's similar to, um, Johnny Shepard. I think these are developmental guys that are going to take a couple years in the program work under Kirk. Um, I don't think Kirk's going anywhere being paid what he is like, that's just, I don't think so either. It's, it's a very obvious statement. Like I don't think he gets a, a head coaching job anytime soon. I think he likes being an OC. I think he's like one of those longtime assistant coaches now at this point in his career. Um, so he'll be working with him for, for the long haul. It seems like, um, and I, I think that Kirk, being the guy he is with developing quarterbacks, I think this is a, it's a solid piece. And you, you get another Jersey kid, you build another pipeline or start another pipeline uh, from another New Jersey school. Mind you, they don't produce as much, but just to have Jersey kids. And if they succeed on the field, you can kind of pitch the whole, like, look, look what we're doing with this kid. Look what we're doing with that kid. Um, and it kind of just goes from there. And then you got, ideally, he, he's, he's a pretty talkative kid. So I, I think he could be the leader of this class. I know we kinda of don't determine that until like a couple months down the road when we kinda of hear who's talking about who and who's recruiting who. But uh I think he could be the leader in this class. Um he's already got Kenny Jones in front of him with one one commitment as offensive lineman. Gabriel Winowich is a kind of a leader a little bit too. Uh so I mean this it's a good start to the class. You got some some good targets and we already spent another future cast for uh Corey Duff over in New York, so and we're probably close to submitting one for Caden Brown as well. I'll, I'll just say it. Like I know I hinted at that on the boards, and if you haven't figured it out by now, like it's Caden Brown who <laughs> I'm hinting at. Like, mm-hmm. uh, We also have a future cast for Dominic Toy out of Pennsylvania, whose uh, OC is Demir Shaw's brother. And his other the other recruiting coordinator is Demir Shaw's other brother. So, I mean, it sounds like Rutgers is a uh, – you're starting to see where Rutgers is going with this class. And uh, it's starting to fill in pretty nicely. Now you got to get bigger up front. I still think uh, on both sides. Like, Caden Brown's a nice get. Yes, he's on the edge, which is a good sign for defense. But offensively, you got to land, like, a Colin Coverley or Marcus Harrison or a Marquise Easley, Caleb Brewer. Those are just some of the big names right now. And you got to land a couple of these guys. Um, that's where it's going to come down to if this class is a, su- eh, a success or not. I can't talk. Jeez.
1: Yeah, and so he goes to Notre Dame High School, like we've alluded to. They obviously produced uh, Tyquan Underwood back in the mm-hmm. class of, like, 2000. I want to say, um, yeah. but they haven't produced a ton of, uh, high level talent there. Yeah. He's part of the class of 2005. So they had a kid in Jason Jenkins go to Tennessee, the class of 2022. You were
2: right. I forgot about him. But he's, other than that, yeah,
1: they haven't, they haven't had a, an FBS kid according to Rival since 2011 prior to that. So is there anybody else on his team that we should be aware of? Or is this, uh, is this not really a football powerhouse?
2: I wouldn't say it's football powerhouse. They have a, a guy who's a little bit smaller. He's a wide receiver DB, like athlete type, whatever you want to call him. Jordan <laughs> Shippio, Scipio if, if I should pronounce that. Okay. Um, he's a little on the smaller side, but it's a potential like PWO down the line maybe. Uh, other than that, I don't, I don't really think they have anyone else. Um, it is interesting, and I'm just looking at this now, so correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> when was Kirk at Western Michigan? He was there from 2013 to 2016. Yeah, it wasn't 2011. Right, yeah. Okay, never mind. Take it back because there's a. Kid yeah, he was still was at. 2011. went to Western. Yeah, he, in
1: 2011. That was his first year as Rutgers OC. Okay. The second year was 2012. And uh, actually, gotcha. maybe it was 2010 and 11. So it was his second year as OC in 2011.
2: You're correct. Yes. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, they, they don't produce a ton of talent. But like I said, this is a Jersey kid, one of the better Jersey kids. So you're starting to see a Jersey-laden recruiting class, and you might be able to top it off with Jim Willis, who's number one right now for us. So That would be huge. Nice.
1: Um, so it's a good start to this class. It's always nice to eat your quarterback squared away early on because mm-hmm. uh, usually those are the guys who – the quarterbacks, they have natural leadership skills. Most of the time, they're the ones who are you know getting guys – together to throw or getting guys together on campus or, you know, arranging, you know, to get friends of friends. Cause all these kids know each other these days, especially with like how many seven on seven teams there are, how many times these kids bounce around from school to school, you know, how many like kids who actually grew up in the same town, but they just go to different schools, you know, 10 miles away Mm -hmm. from each other. And I mean, right in that area, uh, the Hun school's closed, Lawrenceville preps, really closed, petty school's really closed. Mm -hmm. So all those kids, I'm sure know each other, um, especially with, Bob Sarace, being his dad, also recruiting a ton of these kids. AJ definitely knows kids. so
2: Yeah, we'll I-, I wanted to add to... to that. I wanted to add to that real quick before anyone panics. He's probably going to take unofficials to Princeton at some point. Not an unofficial, <laughs> but he's going to be at Princeton, I'm sure. So relax. Uh-huh. Like, it ain't happening. Calm down.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure if he was going to go to Princeton, he probably already would have committed there. Um, yeah, He's been recruited for 16, 17 years now, I'm sure. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty um, much
2: it, yeah. So. All
1: right, so stay tuned. I'm sure there will be more that comes out of this commitment. Um, Richie uh, is probably going to talk to him at some point today to get more, but we just wanted to give you guys the the instant reaction to this. Um, let's talk hoops, though. We had a huge win yesterday, avenging the earlier in the season loss against Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State in that game famously shot 55% on high volume from three against Rutgers, and Rutgers lost by 11, I want to say. Uh, much different story yesterday. Uh, it looked like they were setting the game, offensive game of basketball, back uh, several decades in the first half before they decided to start scoring points. But uh, it was a tight game until late in the second half, where Rutgers just kind of started to pull away. Um, you guys were both at the garden; you had two different vantage points due to some uh, press box stuff. But uh, Chris, Buster, talk first. What, <laughs> uh, what did you see out of the game yesterday that really impressed you?
0: Yeah. So. Um, you know, before we even talk about that, man, I was um you know, getting on the train. Obviously the train was full of Rutgers fans. Um I saw I the whole time I saw two Michigan State fans walk past and that and that was it. Uh you know, it was it was obviously I, I got in from New Brunswick, so there was a lot of Rutgers fans there, students, everything getting on the train. So um but yeah, Rutgers came out in full force. I mean, uh, there was almost fifteen thousand in the arena and I'd say it was maybe like eighty five Said Rutgers, there it, it was loud, um, you know. So they obviously showed out for the game. Um, obviously, there was all talk about, um, you know, having you know Rutgers being the quote unquote home team for the game and how they're giving up a game at the rack. But um, obviously, it wasn't quite quite the rack. But you know, Rutgers fans still made it loud there. I um, had decibel meter and it got up to about 104 at some point. So um, that's that's pretty rack esque, I guess you could say. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of, you know, Greg Shannon was there, Pat Hobbs was there, obviously. There was a lot of Rutgers fans there. Um, it was a sea of red, really. There was, like, a little bit of green, kind of, in, like, the one corner by their bench, but that was really it. And, um, yeah, just going along with the game, um, yeah, I thought Mowa Mag really was, was Rutgers in the, in, in the first half until they got hurt. Uh, it was a shame he got hurt. Um, I wrote about it, asked Michael after the game. There's no update on him really right now, but um, he's going to see, see doctors today, but um. Yeah, I mean, like Richie said in, in the beginning, the shooting was bad for both teams. Um, but Mag was really he was really the, all the Rutgers offense. He was playing well defensively. Um, he made his first two or three shots. I want to say, and then everyone else was like 0 of 13, um, 0 of 14 uh, until Andre Hyde finally made a bucket. But um, yeah, they they clamped down. I mean, I mean, Michigan State went up was the halftime with I want to say a six point lead around there. Um they had the you know steal in the in the bucket right at the buzzer, which obviously I saw Kale McConnell. He he looked crushed after that. Um uh, but you know obviously with Mag being out they had to change up what they wanted to do. They got the ball to Cliff to start the second half. He did really well getting inside, uh, a couple of and ones, dunks, layups. Um and then you saw, you know, Caleb McConnell, Paul McKee he really step up and had that veteran presence. Um, you know, Paul McKay just like, took over at the end of the game against the hoop. Um, even even Tom Izzo, uh, Michigan State coach, was, you know, they credited him uh, for being able to attack the basket, kill McConnell, um, switched up his defense on Hauser who was really killing Rutgers early in the game and uh, he was able to shut him down. Um, and then, you know, Rutgers earlier in the game, they just didn't make the free throws, but um, towards the end, you know, last two minutes or so, Michigan State, kept Fallon, uh, Rutgers to kind of, you know, slow the game down and hopefully make the miss and make buckets themselves and Rutgers did a really solid job with the line there and um, even even freshman Derek Simpson came in and uh, he played a lot of minutes down the stretch and made it, it made his free throws when they really mattered so um he you know him and Paul had that little gaff I guess uh, toward the end with a couple seconds left but um it didn't hurt Rutgers B the and then uh, I like that cliff was able to get that last uh in the last second block there yeah, I do want
1: to shout out Cliff there, the, the true hero of the game, because anybody who is in New York and a Rutgers fan who finally got to bet on the Scarlet Knights or maybe, you know, got to previously, <laughs> but I imagine it was a lot of Rutgers fans' first experience being able to go to a game game like day of and bet on the game. The line bounced around between three and a half and four the last couple days, uh, settled in at four and a half. So Rutgers is up six there with about five seconds left, and... Uh, yeah, Derek Simpson just throws the ball away and Paul's looking at him like he's like, you know, about to rip his head off. <laughs> and uh, you know, Cliff does what any true superhero does, and you know, he blocks the shot and he keeps the Rutgers up by six going on, and Ruckers ends up winning by six. Uh if they would have made that layup, they would have lost uh lost the game because good you know, good teams win, great teams cover. Uh <laughs> Ruckers cover the game. So big shout out to Cliff. Um
2: someone predicted that in a war room. Weird. I'm out of a good week in predictions.
1: Predicted what? That Cliff would block a last
2: minute shot to, to no, keep no, no, the no. Uh, the points were alive. That they would cover and win. So Yeah, okay. Yeah, gotcha. It, it, four it didn't on look big good in the
0: first half. i Matt got it. It didn't look good oh. in the first half though.
2: I mean the under still hit. It was one twenty four yeah. and a half or one twenty six and a half. I forget what I tweeted out. And I was the first half I'm like, yeah, no, that ain't hitting. Like there's mm-hmm. nowhere. Um two two real quick thoughts. Now number one. I, I know I kind of um, crush Paul from time to time for his uh, outburst, I guess. But that man showed true leadership on the court, even pregame. Like, I noticed he, him just getting everyone hyped up, getting everyone in the right state of mind um, and all that. And then even during the game, like, he, he bounced back. He got everyone, like I, like you said, he kind of didn't yell at Derek, but like, hey, man, you mm-hmm. just got to do this better. You can't you can't be doing that shit. I like, can't just throw the ball away. Um but no, credit to Paul for being a true leader on and off the court or on the court during the game and po- uh, pregame as well. And then he showed a lot of maturity in postgame too. He sounded like uh, all, all they care about is uh, is winning. And I, it's fair enough. I know uh, what uh, Izzo mentioned it too. He's like, these guys just they – just, they're a different breed. They just don't care. Like They don't care about this. They don't care about that. They just win, 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 which – Yep. On top of that, Izzo had some fucking weird quotes, man. That guy is a quote cool yeah. machine What the the Flintstones yeah. you compared him to at one point, I think he called Pico Quirky or something, something like that. Like yeah. that? Yeah, he, said
1: his, was, he said his personality was is funky, kinda like guy uh Guy next door, but also with some orniness. Like, what? What are you? What are you off your meds, dude? Like, what? Yeah. Where are all these
0: guy next door? First yeah. thing, like and the, everyone and the thinks, then. it's like. And the funniest part about that, he was trying to think of a quote for Piko. It took like a like a fifteen second pause to think of it.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was just the weirdest thing like I've ever heard. That and then there, what? Then he's like, every time I play Rutgers, I, I just you know sometimes like if I oh, no 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 what it was I, I take it back. He's like, yeah, if I was Rutgers, I, I would play at MSG every year. Like why wouldn't you? But like, and if, and especially if you win. But if you lose, it's like you want to slit your thir- wrists. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it's still bad. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can't say that. Like, you can't. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, Jesus
0: Christ. I looked at your yeah, Richard was recording. And I looked at him. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> dude.
2: Like, oh my God, that was that was a rough one. Like, I don't know where you're going with this, but. Okay, I guess that's just yeah. There's still time to
1: retreat from what you're trying to say here, buddy. This is uh, not
2: (laughs) sounding good nor looking good. Yeah, Uh, yeah. That was that was something. Oh my god. Um, So I found something out interesting about the game too. Is technically they didn't because there was a lot of games on Saturday in terms of high schools, and it's Mm -hmm. also noon. They can host recruits there. Yeah. So in the future, I, I think you're still doing it. Well,
1: can we talk through you know that whole debacle like? How did this go from a neutral site game to a Rutgers home game seemingly overnight? Does anybody know the answer to that?
2: No, that I don't I understand don't. whatsoever. It, and the NCAA or not the NCAA, I think the Big Ten just clarified. It's like, yeah, no, it's a Rutgers home game. Like, it, was, okay. it a, was it a Michigan home
1: game when we had it a few years ago? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
2: But so they were like, home, so like, but I don't know for quad and- rankings.
0: And I don't think there was like the net or something like that. So there wasn't like, it was considered neutral though for that or something. I
1: because I mean, if it's going to be a Rutgers home game, like there's two main things I could think why that's beneficial for Rutgers. And they're both kind of like, they're both kind of like, I don't know, One's financial, like, do you get the, all the take from everything? Like the tickets, do you get like a slice of the, all the, the concessions? And also the recruiting aspect, you could basically treat it like you're on campus and therefore Mm -hmm. like have a recruiting section, have all these kids come into the game for free. I don't get the sense that they did that. Um, Because if you look at all the different, you know, pageantry of the game, Michigan state's pep band was there. They had their cheerleading crew. They had their mascot right on the baseline. Mm -hmm. Like this felt like a neutral site game from everything other than, you know, what it was designated as like, that was always going to be a packed game for Rutgers fans regardless of who was selling tickets or whatnot because, you know, we're an hour away. Michigan State is, you know, a three-hour plane ride away. So I, I don't know. I That whole situation just really kind of irks me. Um, not not because it's like a quad two versus quad one, but it's just stupid. Like, if you're going to make it a Rutgers home game, let Rutgers totally control it. Don't allow the fucking pep band from Michigan State there. Don't let their cheerleaders be on the baseline. Like, that is not... We would never allow that at Rutgers. Why would we allow that at a neutral site that it was being treated as a home game? That is total bullshit. Dude, it's super I didn't about
0: that with all the, pep and yeah. the and stuff. I didn't even think about that. But uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, we got
2: we got a special guest. You finally woke up. I did. What's <laughs> up, Craig?
0: Yep. <laughs> What's going on yeah. uh,
1: Give credit to Craig because he's the one who wanted to get together, and uh, I didn't see my phone last night, and uh, he also. Uh, I guess I uh, had a little
3: bit of a, a late late morning here, but uh, yeah, welcome to the nice. show, Craig. What
2: did you do after the game? you go out and drink?
3: <laughs> nah. This is just like one of the few times in the week I can sleep in, so. Oh, so yeah, fair it's
0: nice. all that's fair. <laughs> all
1: right, Craig, so you were at the game last night. As yesterday, or Sorry, not last night. Geez. Yesterday afternoon as well. Um, we kind of went over, you know, the train ride in. What, what was something that really impressed you about the game yesterday?
3: Ah, uh, was... There's a couple things, but I would say first. go through it all say, then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would don't say, say
2: anything no. about the Knicks. Don't even don't. <laughs> <cut it again. laughs> no, they,
3: they lost. Don't worry about it. I mean, at least one metro, you know, at least one local basketball team. You know, won at the Garden yesterday.
2: New York's I
1: team didn't... won yesterday. That's all. That, that's yeah. All that matters. <laughs> yeah, the that? Nets.
2: The Nets won. You didn't see that? Oh, the I said New York's
1: won. team. The Rutgers. Now Rutgers is the New York's team. Now come on. Oh, yeah. Uh,
3: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I would just say first off, uh, the turnout. I was like so impressed. I mean. I was so, I was so impressed with the turnout. Like me and Chris were talking about on the train ride in, it was just we, there was so much just Scarlet. Every, like everybody, yeah. like almost everybody in the train was wearing like Rutgers gear. There was like maybe a few Michigan State fans we saw, but really it was probably like the the, the building was like we said like eighty to ninety percent was the was the ratio of Rutgers to you know Michigan State, and I think that's accurate. I think there was a lot of very good uh, Rutgers turnout, which. I know a lot of people were upset about giving up the uh, game of like, so The thing that really upsets, me, like I think, me more than giving up just the home game was the fact that it was considered a home game. To me, that was just dumb. Yeah. Like, 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 yeah, just that was whatever. But Retro's one, so I guess you don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> but um, I think going once, a, I think like once a year going to the garden isn't the worst thing in the world because, like, I think
1: it's a great idea. to move. Yeah, I mean, personally. it's
3: still, it's not like you know, like me. <laughs> Me and Chris drove ten hours to day to watch records. So I think I think, <laughs> I, think I think a train like a train ride to the garden, like you know maybe once a year, isn't the worst thing in the world. I know tickets are a little bit usually a little bit pricier, but it's kind of you know it's the garden, so that's kind of is what it is. But yeah, I think I think once a year at the garden, whether it's a conference game or even if it's a non-conference game, where they want to play like I don't know, like UConn for example or a temple, something like that once a year, isn't the worst thing in the world. You know, that way you can kind of build more of that New York connection because, as we saw yesterday, Rutgers does have a very good uh, New York. Like, people will travel to see Rutgers, and there's probably, I would think there's probably people in New York who are Rutgers fans. So I just mm-hmm. think it's a good connection they can continue to build uh, going forward. So that was, I guess, the, the one thing that really impressed me. And then another thing was just Rutgers game. I mean, I to be honest, you saw in the war room I kind of picked, I don't know, I just had a feeling this was a game kind of like the first game where it was like Michigan State's kind of a tough matchup for Rutgers because they both play a very aggressive, you know, style of defense. They're very long. And we saw in the game that the first game Rutgers really dominated the boards. And this game, this flip kind of script where it was like now Michigan State was kind of getting those offensive boards, but um, credits to Rutgers that in the end, it didn't really affect them. And even, they lost Moat Mag in the first half, and you'd think, wow, this, and they were losing. Or maybe not at the time they lost Mag, but then they fell down into halftime and they were losing. It's like, wow, this is going to be a really uphill battle for Rutgers to climb to win, but even without Moat Mag, which I don't know. If we, have you guys heard anything about him? I, I haven't heard anything so far, at least
2: um the latest it's it's a rumor i'm just gonna throw it out there it might be confirmed at this point it might not be um i don't think we'll hear anything until monday to be honest but uh there's a rumor it's acl or mcl and they don't know if it's a sprain or tear obviously the mri will tell you what it is exactly so it's just a matter of waiting for that and uh, obviously
3: the hope is probably i mean A sprain because a sprain mm. would, would probably that wouldn't keep him out for the rest of the year, I, They obviously keep him out
2: for a month, probably. A month, yeah, least, that's uh, kind of like the yeah. next
3: to me, that's kind of like the Zach Wilson he had, or his was like a slight tear, but it was more mm. of a sprain where they came where they went in and kind of cleaned it out a little bit and he was able to come back in like a month, like a month. I think it was like a month or yeah, longer, but that's again, that's the hope. But I guess we'll see. But yeah, as, as I was saying, is that even without Mag, the team still went on and still beat a quality team like Michigan state and credit to them. And this is as big as maybe not to this, maybe not to the level of the Purdue one, but this is probably your second biggest win of the year. And like Izzo said at the end of the game, you know, Rutgers, he said, I mean, he said it, Rutgers is the second best team in the big 10 to him. And that's just probably almost the ultimate confidence you can get from a hall of fame coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah for he, sure. said, he said Rutgers is the second best team and they beat Purdue. So, so you figured that one out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that was on the road, too. I, it's, it, yep. I I so much rather play a second game against Purdue than a second game against a team like Minnesota because, like, a Minnesota, it's so hard to, like, get anything quality net-wise out of that win. It, you know, if you beat them by 30, that'll give you a little bit of a bump, but I'd much rather play Purdue. I do want to touch back on the attendance, though. Like, the capacity of the rack is only 8,000 people, and we almost doubled that at the Garden. The announcement mm-hmm. attendance was 14,844 for the game, I think the the max capacity at MSG is something like 17,000. So, you know, we, you know, 85% of the arena was sold out. It was, you know, 90% Rutgers fans. I think that's a feather in the cap of, you know, expanding the rack a little bit as much as you possibly can. Cause I don't, I think we'll be able to sell, you know, 10,000 seats out if that is what expands. I don't think it'll be that big, but I agree. I think there should be at least one game there every year. Ideally it's a big name opponent that doesn't travel like a game like Michigan state, not, not necessarily a conference game, but a game that you can really hype up and a fan base that, like a Duke, would suck to play because that'll be a half Duke fans. A UConn mm-hmm. will be a lot of UConn fans.
3: What else do you think, too, so about that?
1: that would UConn be, would, be that would be
3: fun. That would be fun. And I was also thinking, even if you play like a low, like kind of a, a, a I guess, mid major, a local mid major, I think that would be cool because it's like for them, let's just throw mm-hmm. a name at, like a Wagner or a, or a Mommet, Iona. Iona or something like that. Yeah, it's you like know, those teams never get to, this. like those kids would normally never get a chance to play at Madison Square Garden so this could be their you know one chance to actually play on a stage like that they I mean if you're Rutgers it's kind of you'd expect it to be an easy win but like maybe not Iona Iona would be pretty tough but if you're playing like you yeah. know a, t- a smaller team like for if you look at it from Rutgers standpoint it's that we're building that connection we're getting kind of maybe an easier non-conference win and if you look at from the other team's perspective I mean yeah it stinks that you might get you know your door is blown in but it's like You get to play at Madison Square Garden, and it's like that's probably the one, maybe one chance they're ever going to get to play at Madison Square Garden. So I think that could be kind of a win-win scenario too.
2: I'm glad you said that because Izzo mentioned it too. He's like, this is the garden. This is still the mecca. I had someone arguing with me. Shout out to Rob on Twitter who follow, like replies all the shit. Love it. Um, but he uh, he said, he's like, do these kids, like these young kids like Harper and all them really care about the Garden? I'm like,
3: yes. Absolutely.
2: I'm a Nets fan. Die hard. I hate yeah. the Knicks. That place is just awesome, though, to play in. Yeah. Just even yeah. sit in there, watch a game. Yeah. Like I went to Knicks games before, and I'm like, shit, this is kind of cool. Like
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing about the Garden is like, they're like some of the smartest basketball fans in the world where like they'll cheer on like greatness. Like there's been so many times where an away player has had just a fantastic night and they get standing ovations playing at the garden. Like it's, every player tries, you know, t- tries to like show out for the garden. It's a huge deal. Um, and one game a year, I mean, I think Rutgers was supposed to play Gonzaga at the garden a few years ago during the, uh, during the year the, the pandemic happened. And then that didn't work out because yeah. of New Jersey's, uh, pandemic rules. Richie, you looked look to be weird there. Is that not the case?
2: They were very close to playing. Uh, I don't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Gonzaga, but they were very close. To, they had a plan in place to play Gonzaga. This oh, episode. wait, wait. I think it was Baylor. I think it was Baylor. It was Baylor. Right? It was Baylor. It was Baylor. Oh, Baylor. It was Baylor. Yeah. You're right. Sorry. But they sorry, yeah, sorry, I played sorry. Gonzaga this, this season, but they this backed season. out last minute because they're a bunch of pussies.
1: They well, <laughs> would have beat the fucking brakes off them this year, too. Gonzaga's yeah. not good.
2: Well, yeah. Timmy and your million-dollar contract. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Great. NIL deal. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but as, as a wise old man once said yesterday, and he was yelling out of cloud. That team bought their team, and that's why we lost. Oh my god, <laughs> Jim Beheim, total <laughs> fucking crybaby. for
1: you know he buys teams for years. At Syracuse, like I'm sure L- Lamelo went up there because he loved fucking winners. Lamelo, see that's yeah. the
2: issue. You said Lamelo.
1: No, I said Mellow. Uh, I thought you said Lamelo. No, no, I said Mellow. <laughs> I was yeah, gonna say
2: Don't disrespect Anthony. Disrespect, you know, on. one of the greatest Knicks of all time. Fucking losing yeah. Never won shit.
0: <laughs> I, I, I mean, just... he
2: got to the second round of the playoffs once. Give him
1: some
0: credit. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, we did too, but we <laughs> yeah. just we can't get past it either. It's rough.
0: Going back to the uh, Madison Square Garden talk, I know somebody asked uh, Pike a lot after the game. He, just, he was like, hey, would you want to play you know, game of year you know, at the Garden? Pike was like, well, you know. I like playing at yeah. the rack, so <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah. it's more he doesn't want to give up the home game. If you if they told him yeah. you're not, it's
3: a neutral game or something like that, he'd be fine. But the fact that they took away and consider well, the fact that they considered it a home Good game was, was pissed them off. Which
1: yeah, taking right. away a conference home game is brutal, especially when yeah. you're playing a team twice in one year. We play one game at at Michigan State and the other at the Garden. That's bullshit.
2: Yep. Do you, Do you think he's like contractually obliged? Emblo- emblo- Jesus Christ, that was a contractually. Word. Um. <laughs> oh my God. do you think he has to say? Jersey Mike's Arena in his. Yeah, uh, yes, they all do. Yes, like, hey, well, yes. well, even if he's not describing the arena, like just say it's like totally something completely random. Do you think he just has to mention it once per? Like, yes, You'll <laughs> get,
1: he will get yelled at by the AD again. Not not like
2: Pat Hops directly, but. I'm saying you don't want to say rack, but do you think like he just has to mention like the arena once, like every press conference? It's just like, oh, hey, well,
0: it's, it's pretty hard. Like, not Steve. To mention,
2: it seems like... Your extension is you have to mention <laughs> the word, or the words, Jersey Mike's anything else that we don't care what you say. But you have to say Jersey Mike's in there somewhere. And it's I think like, he's yeah, a we, lost, we lost in Carver Hawkeye today. But, you know, Jersey Mike's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, fantastic submarine sandwiches. If you haven't already, try their new chicken.
3: Baja blast. Yeah. Cliff had a couple yeah. of stuffs in this one, and speaking of stuffs, you, know, you stuff your face with <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: They, they really should have some kind of NIL program with the Rutgers basketball team. Sure, get Danny DeVito there. Like, there's that's, so much that Jersey Mike's it. could be doing. Yeah,
2: we we need to make a pitch, Mike. I feel like you're really good at this, like uh, this whole speech, public speaking thing. Mm-hmm. Just give me a pitch for why Danny DeVito needs to be at Rutgers on the sideline. All mean? right, Just-
1: I mean, easy <laughs> enough. Jersey native. He's a proud New Jerseyan, Rutgers State University of New Jersey. Perfect Mm -hmm. fit there. Jersey Mike's, obviously, he's the spokesperson. The name's on the arena. Why has this not happened yet? Like, Danny DeVito, just at Rutgers Athletic Department. That would be the biggest standing ovation since Aiden Terry's (laughs) three-pointer. If you had Danny DeVito try it out on court and just hype the crowd up, take a big bite of an Italian sandwich, got balsamic vinegar spraying out of his mouth as he screams, <laughs> let's go Rutgers. Get him on the court. I sure, I'm sure he has a house in New Jersey. This guy would be willing to come down and put on a show. Contact him. Let's get him Let's get him out to a Rutgers game. Come on. Man.
3: And if you want to make the road fans happy too, do it against like Temple or like Villanova or something, you know.
1: Yeah. In, in the future, if we have a Philly team, perfect fit. Have him come running out in his bed gear, crawling out of the, the, the couch sofa with Charlie. It's under- yeah, it's or yeah, is just, it just his uh, underwear.
3: <laughs> just have him go we gotta make
1: it happen okay. yeah but i want to give want to give more of a shout out to paul because we we both we everybody's talked about how good of a performance he had but the dude had 17 second half points just totally carried the offense especially after you know Mawat was the leading scorer and then he gets hurt paul put the team on his back down the stretch um I don't know if anybody scored that many points in, in a half for Rutgers this year, um, but he scored 17 of the 42 second half points for Rutgers. Mm-hmm. He was just making plays left and right. Um, he had a clutch three pointer in the corner yeah. um, late in the game. Uh, he hit some clutch three or free throws late in the game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's clearly the MVP of this game. Um, big shout out to Paul.
3: Yeah, I remember yeah. he had those back-to-back kind of layups where he just drove to the drove in, and that kind of I think opened up the game a little bit because I think they put them up like seven with like two minutes to go, and from there it was kind of like Rutgers just now yeah, was just all about hitting your free throws, and they yeah,
0: yeah. they so they started doing a lot of pick and roll with Cliff, and then obviously you know Paul Paul just got downhill, and even even Izzo after the game you know mentioned that Rutgers just started attacking the ball or start, started attacking the rim, and, and that really changed changed the game. Uh, but it, it's actually it's actually funny. Me and Craig were talking about this during the game. How um, a lot a lot of times they shoot the ball from the outside and 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 post up in the first half, and then they do in the second half. They do pick and rolls and get to the hoop. Um, you know they should maybe start with the pick and rolls and then um, either attack, either attack the rim and and give the ball to clutch to dunk it, or if they're both not there, then kick it out to Cam for for a three or something like that. So we'll we'll see if uh, how it changes now with Maggie out, but. I also think it has to be a,
1: a season high in terms of free throw attempts for the team. They, sh- they shot 34 free throws this game. Yeah. Now yeah. The, the the other side of that coin is they went 22 for 34. Uh, so they okay. only shot about 64% from the line. Another putrid performance from beyond the arc for this team. They went three for 16 from three. Oh this, God. This is what the, the, the fourth or fifth game in a row. They've really struggled from deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't count the Minnesota game because if you guys listen to the, the Geo podcast, he was basically saying like it's the worst defense he's ever seen a Big Ten team play. It's like shooting practice out there. Um, <laughs> the Rutgers did shoot fifty percent from the from three pointer from from three against Minnesota, but actually they shot forty percent against Iowa too. Um, but this is just we're, we're not consistent, which is what I think the problem is. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> hey, what, I can't,
2: what what what's Sadie doing over there? Uh, sniffing her uh, new stuff. Got a bark box, got a bunch of stuff. No, um, oh, man. Anyway, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, so I, I we didn't talk about it, I don't think, enough. Like, they just dominated the paint in the second half. They made Michigan State look yeah. weak, they mm-hmm. look small. Mm-hmm. That was bully ball. Yep. So I love it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. That's
3: their and game. Now, and if, and yeah. now,
2: officially, after yesterday, Cliff is officially. Averaging a double double, he almost has more well, rebounds and points, which is well. Actually,
1: Michigan State surprisingly they out-rebounded Rutgers in the game, forty-four to thirty-four. Yeah, by ten. Yep.
2: That, that was mostly the, the second half, half. I feel like.
1: Yeah, the second half they definitely turned it around, but it wasn't by any means like a, a domination by Rutgers on the boards. Mm-hmm. I like
3: it's It was so weird how like Rutgers will like the team. Okay, so Michigan State took like a bunch of threes. I felt like yesterday. And they would, and they would hit the rim and just go bounce right back to Michigan State, which is like, yeah, yep. Rutgers. I don't know. It's like Rutgers got a really kind of bad luck with some of those with some of those rebounds. <laughs> yep.
1: that's fair. Uh, but at, at the same time, it's it seems like that's happened to us all year, where mm-hmm. like we just haven't been boxing out well enough to get those opportunities. Because sometimes it just like springs back right to the three point line. There's really nothing you could do about it. But a lot of these were like kind of bouncing right around the foul line. and Rutgers just wasn't. In position to get those rebounds, um, yeah. just a weird rebounding day, a little bit. Um, but down the stretch, when we needed them, when Michigan State was fouling us, taking the ball up the court and trying to like get a quick basket, Rutgers was getting every one of those rebounds. So, and Cliff had a few really crucial yeah. offensive rebounds and putbacks. Uh, Cliff had another. Cliff was another guy who had a great game. He had another double double. I want to say he's like close to the the lead in the Big Ten for double doubles in the season. I don't think anybody's going to catch a guy like Zach Eady, but. Uh, he's you know continuing to have a really strong season um, yeah, just yeah, I, a great game I, overall
0: i thought I thought when Rutgers was making his comeback in the second half and then once it got its lead and trying to trying to keep Michigan State away, I mean, they were playing tough defense, and then Cliff would sky up and get really tough rebounds, and yeah. they wouldn't let Michigan State get more than one chance, and that was I thought that was huge uh, you know late in the game second half, yeah. So we covered a
1: ton here. Is there anything we haven't talked about, guys, uh, regarding this game that we wanted to hit on?
0: So I know, I know the fouls ended up being kind of similar, but the fouls called against Rutgers a lot of the times were just yeah like so bad. <laughs> I mean, there was like I, I'm pretty sure they missed a goal ten in the first. And at, at some point, they had yeah, the
1: Cam Spencer block. Yeah, Cam
0: Spencer blocked out. Well, I think I think that was actually a block. But that I was there was another time I was thinking of that looked like a goal ten in the first half. Um, there was like fouls on Paul that were really bad. A foul on Caleb. Uh, it looked like the ref maybe thought he pulled the he, he pulled the Michigan State guy away from the ball, but he didn't. He just put his. He didn't do anything. Like it was so. But I mean, that's. I mean, I, I know. I know teams normally get a home whistle in the Big Ten. Obviously, Rutgers was considered the home team in this one, but they were not considered. Uh, but you know, they weren't getting the home whistle. You know. Yeah, I think it was no, that, the one that probably pissed
3: off the. Yeah, the crowd the most was when I think it was like he was it looked like he was like I don't know, it was just like he was trying to box out or something and they did, like didn't even really touch the guy and you got yeah. twisted for foul and the place started going crazy. So yeah, it was that was pretty pretty weird.
1: I agree. So Rutgers, I believe, in like to start the second half, I think they had uh seven fouls like within the first like eight minutes of the game. I think they had like Michigan was in the bonus starting at like the eleven minute mark. Michigan yeah. State was in yeah, the yeah, bonus yeah. starting at like the eleven yeah. minute mark. Uh, So Rutgers was really kind of just like, you know, kind of screwed for the entire second half with the foul calls. Uh, One other point, now that Mag looks like he might be out for an extended period of time, I think we started to see some of the cracks in our depth because, you know, we're filling that Mag role in with a combination of Reaver, Palmquist, and Jalen Miller. And those guys, you know, while, while Palmquist was like a nice story against Minnesota, he was, you know, he didn't look great yesterday and yeah. i thought looked better than I mean, he only played two minutes but this this depth is really going to be tested in, in big games going down the stretch if we if mag is out for an extended period
0: i was actually surprised that like hyatt didn't really play much in the second half and gave him a run to simpson and was uh, and there
1: yeah he had a rough shooting day he was one for six on the day uh over four from three um yeah i mean he's He's the kind of guy that, like, we're going to need him down the stretch to have those kind of, like, really hot second halves that he's shown to be, be able to have, uh, especially if Mag's up. Or he might be a starter moving forward. Who knows? Sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, it really stinks. It honestly really stinks to see Mag go down if it's an extended period yeah. because it felt like he was just really starting to come on his own because it's like mm-hmm. he yep. was always kind of the defensive, you know, like like glue guy, I guess. But, like, now you could see as the first game he scored, like, seven of their first like 13 points I was saying you could see he was starting to develop more of an offensive game It's just like it just felt like it was all starting to come together for mag so to see him go down and see him possibly be out for a certain time really stinks because it feels like he's always you feel like we've always known he could become this type of player but it's always kind of the injury bug I feel like has always been kind of creeping around the corner for him so it just it just stinks yeah, he's really
1: developed his his intermediate shot. Like he's got a really nice turnaround. Like he's, you know, starting to develop a really nice corner three as well. Um and Geo, I mean, he couldn't speak more highly of, of Mag when we talked to him. He was, you mm-hmm. know, like Pike one of Pike's like ultimate success stories. Yeah, I, I I really would feel awful for this kid if he's if he's out for you know, if he has a serious injury, I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, yeah. it's nothing so, too major. So you
2: dummies on the board, stop saying bench him for Andre Hyatt. Like, just <laughs> yeah. stop! It doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. he doesn't yeah. score. Now he who doesn't. cares? He plays defense. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I said yeah. I said it on the podcast a couple I don't know, I at some point recently that you know, high, high can score. He just has to be more consistent. And, and yeah. if he if he can do that, it just opens up everything so much more. And but you know we haven't we haven't seen that yet. But if he's able to do that, obviously he might get more more minutes now. You know, starting and everything like he did earlier in the season, so um, he's going to have his chance. And you know, like like yesterday, he, if he's if he's not you know shooting well and playing good defense, then he's going to be back on the bench, you know, for Oscar or 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 or, uh, or, or, or like someone like like Weber or something like that. So. Yep, and it's all about
3: confidence because he hits the Ohio State three, and all of a sudden now he's become more of an offensive threat. So it's like oh, yeah. well, there you go. <laughs>
1: I hope yeah i love him. hyatt too yeah. like he's just he doesn't complain he seems like the perfect teammate like this is a really highly rated kid out of high school who played a lot for a tournament team at lsu comes to Rutgers. comes you know the sixth man for this team and it seems like he's you know he's a total team dude so i i really hope that he steps into this role and elevates uh his his game
2: a bit here with mag being out for some kind of extended period Sorry, Rich, what Were you saying No, I'm, I'm eager to see Oscar. Like I I have seen him be so athletic before. If he just has an inch of confidence, this man could be a really decent piece for Rutgers. Like oh, I'm, I'm eager to see this.
1: He does seem to be in his head a bit because he had one really you know weird turnover early in the game. He had that one like inbounds pass from under the basket that seemed like he just like looked away from at the last second and it bounced mm-hmm. off his hand. Um I do agree though that he he looks like a guy you because know, he's what, like 6'10", he's a lefty, mm-hmm. he's known as a shooter, like, this is a guy that, you know, if he could reach his potential, he's a very valuable piece, but it seems like it is the, the confidence thing.
0: Mm. Yeah, if,
3: yeah, I mean, if he can hit his outside shots and be kind of, I guess, another scorer, I guess, alongside Cam, then I think you can probably live with maybe a little bit of a step down from a defensive perspective, because then, uh, like, it opens up more of your offensive game, so that's kind of, yeah. Kind of the mix and match you can you kind of you can kind of play here, but it's just all about you know I guess confidence and just can being able to continue to hit your shot.
0: Yeah, and everyone everyone says Oscar is like one of the best teammates on the team. So I mean, yeah. obviously he's he's well liked. Um, but po- probably the one thing that maybe he's not the best at is probably his defense. I noticed they go to zone a lot when when he's in the game. Uh, maybe that's because of him. Maybe that's just a coincidence that I, I noticed. But uh, yeah, I mean he has a nice a nice shooting. T- uh, you know. Motion and form and everything like that. So, um, if he can, if he's able to make one, like I said, it brings his confidence level so much higher. Um, he made he made his shot against Minnesota and ends up having a career game. He played a lot of minutes. Um, yeah, and he's going to get a lot of minutes now. And uh, you know, this is this might be his chance.
1: Yeah, I think that's what really is going to test this team moving forward. Is if he if Mag isn't out there, like you were just able to throw Mag and McConnell on the two best offensive players, regardless of position, other than like a Zach Eady type the opposing team and it was basically just like this chameleon defense like you weren't going to get an easy shot on either mag or mcconnell and while cam spencer you know and paul mckay he aren't like the fastest guys they're really good defenders they're opportunistic they're smart so they know like okay if i come in and double right now when this guy's you know about to like do a spin move i can reach in and get this get this ball so they're like it's a very high iq defense and not that the the you know the guys on the bench aren't but, you know, a lot of these guys are used to playing with one another and used to Mag taking a very important role in that defense. So it's going to be tough to replace him. That's, I mean, we keep, you know, circling around this. But I, I also thought that Caleb had one of his best games of the season defensively. He was just totally, like, shutting down everybody mm-hmm. from, you know, you know, steals to clutch rebounds. He just – nobody got an easy shot on Caleb yesterday.
3: Could be back-to-back, you know, defensive player of the year. And I guess you never know. Could be. Put
1: there. Um, all right. So I, I guess we kind of exhausted most topics from this game. Um, for those of you who have not heard already, there's going to be a live event on Tuesday at the olive branch for the Rutgers, Indiana game. I believe it starts at six o'clock. Uh, I might be wrong there, but the game is at six thirty. 30. Sounds like it's going to be a big turnout. Um, it's co-hosted by the night society, by the front office and Rutgers Rivals. I believe uh, a Night and Day Apparel is also sponsoring it and a few other sponsors as well. It's going to be a Asbury good time. Asbury Park
2: Brewery, baby.
1: Asbury Park Brewery. Um, Geo <laughs> Baker is going to be there. Victor Kanopka from the football team is going to be there. Riley Tiernan from the women's soccer team is going to be there. Sounds like Adam Corsak is going to be there as well, fresh off of his Senior Bowl appearance. Anybody who hasn't seen the punt he had that went viral from the Senior Bowl. On
2: Twitter, whatever.
1: He had an awesome punt in the game that was down at the one yard line. Um, it sounds like from everything coming out of the Senior Bowl, he uh, had really good performance in practice all week. It sounds like he's the number one punter by a lot of scouting services. So we we might see Adam Corsac get, get drafted. There's not many punters who get drafted. So if there aren't any drafted, um, he'll. It might actually be a better situation for him because then he'll pick his team. Um, and for a special teamer, if you could pick your team, you most likely can. You know. Pick where you're going to start because not many teams have a punting opening year after year.
3: Yeah. I know the Jets could use them.
2: They need a lot the
1: Jets, more than a Yeah, yeah <laughs>
3: but that is one problem.
1: Yeah, that should be uh, that should be item number about seventeen on the list this offseason for the Jets. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if you can make it out, there's still tickets available. We posted a link to that on the board and also in the uh, the article from our, our interview with Geo. If you mm-hmm. haven't listened to that, obviously. He dropped so many interesting nuggets, some recruiting nuggets, you know, some nuggets about the team. So that's kind of a bit ever, a bit of evergreen content that just means you can listen to it and it's still timely whenever you, you hear it. And he also talks about the event. Uh, but again, thanks again for listening, guys. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe, rate us on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, but for me and the rest of the guys, it's been another edition of the Night Report podcast. I'm signing off.